Welcome to Genesis week five. We're going through chapter 25 in the book of Genesis today as we walk through this in daily drive time devotion. And in Genesis chapter 25, Abraham goes on to be with the Lord in heaven. Listen to what happens in verse five going down to verse 10. Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac, but while he was still living, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the east. Altogether, Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. His sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre, in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite, the field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. Here we have Abraham, this great man of faith, going on like all of us do to be with the Lord for eternity. It's a reminder that even this father of our faith, we only get a brief time on this earth, only a brief time to live out the plan of God that he has for us on this planet. And then we go to spend eternity with him to live out the plan of God that he has for us in eternity. Now, as we walk through the rest of this chapter in verses 11 to 18, we have the account of Ishmael. Although he wasn't the son of the promise, he was Abraham's son, and God is going to make of him a nation. And so, Ishmael is lifted up and honored in those verses. And then after those verses, we turn to the story of Isaac's family. And we begin with a look at his two sons, Jacob and Esau. Listen to what happens. Familiar to some of you. Listen to what happens in verses 19 to 34. This is the account of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Paddan Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up. And Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. This is why he was also called Edom, which means red. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I am about to die, Esau said. What good is my birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. And so Esau did swear to his brother, and Jacob did give his brother some bread and some stew. Esau ate and drank, and he got up and left. And verse 33 ends by saying, so Esau despised his birthright. This section of scripture that we've just read together, the New Testament points strongly to the importance of these chapters of Genesis. What we learn from Isaac and what we learn from Jacob and Esau is really about our faith and what God is doing in our lives. Listen to Romans chapter 9, verses 7 to 11. Nor, the Bible says, because they are his descendants. He's talking about the Jewish people. They are his descendants. Are they all Abraham's children? 
On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, Paul writes, it is not the natural children who are God's children. It is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this is how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebekah's children had one and the same father, our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad in order that God's purpose and election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. From these verses in Romans that refer to this chapter in Genesis, you and I learn some incredibly important things about our spiritual life. From Isaac, we learn that the promise is not made to the natural descendants, but to the spiritual descendants. What does that mean? That means I don't come to faith in Christ because I'm of a certain culture or grew up in a certain region of the world. It's my spiritual descent that is important, that I have the same kind of faith that Abraham had. Paul is explaining to the Jewish people here that God's not breaking his promise to the Jewish people by sending Jesus into the world and offering salvation to everyone. He's saying that's what was meant all along. He wanted to have a lot of spiritual descendants. And you and I are included. Everyone is included in this. If you grew up in a Jewish family, if you grew up in a Gentile family, it doesn't matter. We can all be spiritual descendants of Abraham through faith. That's what we learned through Isaac. From Jacob and Esau, we learned that God's choice, God's election is not by our works, it is by God's will. There's nothing that I can do to make myself right with God. It is by God's choice in sending his son for us and giving his son to us. Now, this issue of election and choice and God's choice, we could spend many, many hours talking about that. But let me just focus on the fact of what happens in this story. Don't forget, as you and I read through this, that even though it had been chosen before Esau was even born, that Jacob would be the boy that had the promise, that carried it forward. Esau is the one who chose to forfeit his birthright by his own choice. So there is human responsibility here that's interwoven with divine sovereignty. The Bible says that Esau despised his birthright. It's important to realize that God saw exactly what was coming. But that did not mean that Esau had to despise his birthright, that he had to run from God. And it did not mean that Jacob had to resort to trickery. I'm going to sell you this stew, this food, when you're starving, when you feel like you're about to die. I'm going to sell you this food, and that's how I'm going to get the birthright. You see, what happened in this story is God knew what he was about to do. But they followed their own power and energy in thinking they were in control of the events, and they were not. They took into their own hands, or tried to, what God was going to do. Esau, Esau lived for the moment instead of living for God's promise. He could have lived an entirely different way. He could have recognized that somehow God had chosen to use Jacob. He could have honored Jacob in that, but he did not. And that began with Isaac and Rebekah. They favored one son over the other. They even struggled with this. This whole family could have lived differently, but they, they did not. And because of that, Esau lived for the moment instead of living for God's promise. And Jacob, Jacob lived, lived by his schemes instead of living by God's promise. God had made a promise. And God's going to keep that promise. But both Jacob and Esau struggle their way to that promise. And the way they struggle, we're going to see there are some scars that come into their relationship that are never going to be healed. And they struggle because they take it into their own hands instead of trusting God. It's God's promise. It's God's promise, not my promise. As you and I take a minute to talk to the Lord today, let's talk to him about his promise in our lives. Jesus, thank you for your promise, your promise of salvation. 
thank you for your promise, your promise of growth. Thank you for your promise, your promise of being able to serve you in a way in this world that makes a difference. Thank you for your promise, your promise of an eternity with you. Lord, help me not to try to work my way towards that promise. Oh, you have work for me to do within that promise. I know that, joyful work. But help me to never try to work my way towards that promise. God, help me not to take your promise into my hands, to think that I can control it or somehow think that I achieved it. It is your promise. Help me to learn from Jacob and Esau that you are at work, and instead of fighting your work or pretending that I'm doing your work, I just want to cooperate with the work that you're doing in my life. Help me to trust you today, I pray, Jesus. In your name, amen. And join us next week, week six in the book of Genesis. The focus is going to be on Jacob, the long story of how a man who was a schemer becomes a man of great faith.